What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Marking Our Territory with the Big Dogs, a sports podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Gartino, and across the computer, one of my best friends and my co-host, Zachary Zranz. What's going on, dude? What's up? Made you guys wait this week. Yeah, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. Usually we record on like Thursday nights and drop it for you on Friday mornings, but with opening day on Thursday, I was glued to my TV for a solid like nine hours straight and I couldn't bring myself to get in front of the mic. So we're going to go ahead and we'll give you guys all the sports topics that we've missed. And probably aside from opening day, the biggest topic of the week is Rob Gronkowski retiring, kind of going under the radar in my opinion because of the way that baseball is in my eyes. But I mean, I don't know. I don't think I saw it coming, to be honest. Well, last year there's a lot of rumblings, and it's a good way to go out. You know, won the Super Bowl, had an incredible game-changing moment in it. I really expected him to finish with some sort of 69 in his career-like stat line. So he ended up with 79 career touchdowns, which is the he, third well, most. Math what? Prediction Radio, he actually did. His... um average reception or average touchdowns per game is 0.69 is it really yeah oh my gosh see I, I swear he he's probably the smartest person in the nfl and nobody knows about it because he's just constantly finding ways to like relate himself to 69 jokes gronk never spent a dollar of his game checks in nine years so he's actually really good with his money he's only spent his like Tied money, his endorsement bonuses. Holy hell, that is insane. So he, I, I have that written down too. He made $53 million over his contracts throughout his career, which what did it end up being, like nine or ten seasons? Nine seasons. So, I mean, to be able to bank $53 million and whatever he's got him in <laughs> with interest and shit, he is going to be a rich man for a long time. And still live the lifestyle that Gronk has lived. Yeah, he's an absolute <clears throat> baller. So I guess the the one thing that is on my mind with this is, well, two things. One, is he going for the WWE? And two? Well, oh, you can answer that one first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's going to do something that's going to keep his face around. I don't know if it's going to be full-time wwe i don't know if it's gonna be guest appearance it could be wwe commentator yeah that, that would be electric listening to him call all of the fights because he he's like the type of guy that he gets more excited for other people than he does himself and as much as he's a showman i think that he would really enjoy just like being a hype man for the wwe i mean gronk he's absolutely just killed he's got like the hottest hottest chick he's a fucking shout out real caustic right that's who it is yeah, I, I I got the blinders on. <laughs> so I I think, though, there's also been people talking about, you know, is there a chance that he does like a reality show? Because just like the life of the Gronks, there are just a bunch of bros like out there. Are they from Arizona or is that just where he went to school? No, they're from the Northeast. Yeah, so he I, I think that it would be interesting to see if like he actually has a camera follow him around, especially considering like the idea that he could come back at the end of the season. That's the other theory. So that, that's the other third thing I'm surprised he didn't get to is, is Gronk actually going to be completely retired? I, I don't see him coming back. I, I just, I think that he, 
like the way he's smart with his money, he's probably trying to be smart with his body and he's made his money. He's won his rings and there's no reason for him to come back just for Three another rings. Yeah, it's just and he, he was beat up. He had multiple back surgeries, multiple knee surgeries. When he played, he was looked like a robot because he had so many braces on. Could he be a step ahead of Bill Belichick? Everyone says how Bill Belichick like knows when to ship his players off and how as soon as Bill cuts a guy or trades a guy away, you know that his career is over. Maybe Gronk is like one step ahead of Bill and he's like, listen, the Pats dynasty is over and I don't need to be here for the decline. Wow. I mean, that proves your theory of Gronk being a genius. So the other, the other thing, my second point that I wanted to make was is it inevitable now that the Patriots draft a tight end in the first round? I think that this is a pretty tight end rich draft. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see them probably spending maybe a second pick because that's maybe what Gronk even a first round, a I mean, second rounder. So you can get talent. And I think that the, the thing that made Gronk special was what, what I didn't really maybe appreciate him for was that he was such a good all-around tight end, one of the best run blockers. Like, like I looked at the stats. Like, Tony Gonzalez has, like, way more catches and yards than Gronk. Yeah, I, I realized that, too, once they started, like, bringing up the Gronk hype train after he retired, that they really started to talk about his all-around game, and that's not something that normally, like, on a day-to-day basis yeah. you would Tony realize. Gonzalez definitely didn't sit in there and run block under center. He was mostly a pass catching guy. Gronk, the all around player, just and look at like he Antonio made that team Gates. So much better. Antonio Gates is still playing. How old is he? Probably thirty six, thirty seven years old, and he he doesn't know when to to shut it down. Yeah, because he he doesn't take that punishment that Gronk took. Gronk was just a true football player in the sense of the word, and he's really going to be missed because when that guy caught the ball, it was like just straight up electricity. Yeah, he's is somehow the strongest and fastest player on the field at some times, and it was just he was definitely a pleasure to watch. Probably. So, be, so what's your what's your like fate or final Gronk memory? Like going out, what are you gonna remember Gronk for? I mean, is it bad of me to say like all of him like dancing with his shirt off? Just that, just that pure pelvic thrust. Exactly, just like the simplest, like going hard. Yeah, smashing beers. Like uh, on the field, like it's pretty hard. Like I can, I can see a million different angles of him, like stiff arming people to the ground. I just see that, that massive arm elbow brace and the Gronk spike. Yeah. That, that big elbow brace became like him. Yes. When he would do that full windmill spike, it was just, you just knew that he was the fucking baddest dude on the field. Yeah, I like I said, I, I'm I, I'm a Patriots hater, but I definitely really liked watching Gronk. I had him on many fantasy teams. Um, it's kind of crazy that thinking about this does make me realize that we are closing in on the NFL draft. It's close, so get ready, boys and girls that listen. All right, so no no other NFL news. Well, AAF, there's a chance that they're folding. Did you hear about that? Not surprising. Yeah, so the, the new guy, Tom Dundon, who's the Carolina Hurricanes owner, supposedly he's already dropped like $75 million or something into it, and it's continuing to go under. So they're looking for help from the NFL. That, that'd be the only thing to be able to keep him afloat because no one 
it has to have a little bit of legitimacy of the shield to make it actual football. It would be interesting to see, like, with all of these new football leagues coming in, if any of them can get support from the NFL in order to, like, try and make it like a minor league system. I know that. Yeah. What's his name from WWE? Uh, yeah, the XFL. Yeah, they, they're dumping ridiculous amounts of money into it before it even starts because they're trying to get ahead of it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think this is going to show either the if this folds, it might be the XFL is like is destined to be that secondary league. Either uh, way, it's not something like it's the not. First it's weekend. not the same though. Yeah, the the first weekend was like pretty much the only time. We're still big Orlando Apollo fans on this podcast, but I can't say that I know much else. Johnny Menzel, I think he's in the playoffs for the AAF. Yeah, he played like five snaps. So, all right, transitioning. March Madness still going on. We have our final eight teams set. Yes. <laughs> yes. Last night, I did not watch any of the Duke game, so I've got nothing to add on them. I know FSU, our boys lost to Gonzaga, who's going to be taking on Texas Tech in the next round. Um, pretty much the last game that I watched in its entirety was the Duke-UCF game. So... That I mean, we'll kick off on that game. That game was probably the most must-watched game, and this is also why we're coming to you guys on Saturday. We had to take in all the Sweet 16. We had to watch all the sports we could so we can give you just the best best podcast possible. I like Zach giving the we, even though I just admitted that I didn't watch any of it last night. So Zach watched it <clears throat> for you guys. So, that, I mean, that so that Duke, all the Sweet 16 games were either real close or real blowouts. The teams that lost missed a ton of threes. We'll kick off, I mean, we'll start with FSU. FSU, Terrence Mann was pretty much shut down. I think they were three, three for 20 for the entire game on three-pointers. That's going to send you home. Gonzaga was playing a fast pace, and the FSU was trying to shoot threes, and it just wasn't working. Well, they shut down Mann a little bit. Last episode, we talked about how FSU needed that Phil Kofer storyline to push them through the tournament. Why and didn't he play? I think his I think the funeral was supposed to be like today or something. So they were trying yeah, to he, he was he was nursing a foot injury too. So Oh yeah, that was true. So but I mean from the moment that that game started, the broadcasters were talking about how the team FaceTimed with Phil Kofer and how they were dedicating this, you know, this tournament to him. And it's just like, man, you got to keep that shit in house. Like the no, more, you, I, I, yeah, I think the more out, you talk about it, it, the the less like mystique it has about it, and the less like legitimacy it has. Well, they had to talk about it. NCAA tournament hasn't had the storylines this year, so they didn't have. We don't have a sister gene this year, so they were going hard on this rally for Kofer. What does it mean? I've been hearing a lot of this. What does it mean when the tournament is chalky? Chalk is just when the the top seeds always win. There's no upsets. So, like, why can't you just say boring? Like, like it's just like, I don't know. Because it's not like, boring. Duke won, but they won on a last second miss again by the other team. So, okay, so go ahead. You, UCF, Duke, that was crazy. There was the two missed shots right at the end that I don't know how they didn't go in. Taco doesn't have to jump to dunk. Uh... Zion continued to run at him the entire game. We don't need to talk about that one. I didn't watch last night's game, so tell me what happened. So my takeaways from Duke is that Zion is unstoppable. They had four guys surrounding him, like almost triple teaming him, and he would just pivot and like somehow make himself like skinny, cut through the defenders, and do an incredible like ten foot jumping layup. Tough to do for a guy that's two hundred and eighty pounds. 
Um, RJ Barrett is only good inside of the paint. Duke <laughs> sucks at three-pointers and shooting in general. They basically only score on layups. And their point guard, Trey Jones, I think, is one of their best players because he made five threes last night. They were six of 20 from three three points, so he made five of them. <laughs> did, did you – I mean, you were watching the game. You saw that insane block that Zion had? Yeah, it, I don't know how that wasn't a goaltend. The guy shoots it basically from the foul line, and Zion comes out of nowhere and <laughs> just sends it into the stands. I mean, and the funniest part, too, is when he, he swatted the shit out of it, and then he goes and stares down the crowd while the, the play is still going on behind him. Yeah, yeah, the guy gets the... Actually, he got the the block back, the guy that shot it, got the ball right back in his hands, and Zion was celebrating. So there are definitely times when Zion will go for the block, where it maybe is a guy driving and they'll be able to pass around Zion, get a lot of easy buckets. He's an aggressive but it goes, player. It goes the same way for the other teams that are trying to swat and fuck up Zion, and he just does a little double clutch and has wide open shots because he has 10 second hang time. Uh, Zion also, like when people get high up on alley oops, you're like, damn, that guy's head was at the rim. For Zion, you're like, his head was at the top of the square above the rim. Yeah, he is, he's a freak. And I don't know how, like, some people consider him to be, like, fat because he just looks like a brick wall to me. He is more and more impressive to me every single game. And is he NBA ready to you? I think, I think, he, I think he's definitely NBA ready. He's going to – he can't go on a team like the Warriors, but he can go get buckets in the NBA. I think that R.J. Barrett could definitely use another year or two in college, work on that stroke, become just a fucking Duke all-star, and go help win some national championships and make some deep runs. Uh, we'll move on to them. They're playing Michigan State in the uh, in the Elite Eight. Michigan State just absolutely waxed Oregon. Just a, a team that's actually a real good basketball team versus like just a hot shooting team, and that's where it showed. Oregon couldn't make shit. Another real close game last night was University of Houston versus UK, which I just noticed that they have the exact same font in their logos. <laughs> I I can see it now that you're saying that. <laughs> so you see that like the U with the K under it is the exact same with the UH. Okay, very uh, very good good awareness by you there. <laughs> I I thought it was like maybe a troll job at first where they were like, "Ha, huh, UK like owns them," but I guess that's just the collegiate lettering. UK comes out with a a late win, couple clutch baskets at the end of the game by Kentucky. They they tie it up, they get a block, and then Buddy comes down and. It's a three to take the win. Wasn't wasn't the big game last night? Didn't UNC lose? Yeah, so that's that's probably the biggest upset. Bracket busted. The definitely a bracket buster for me. Anyone that's in the uh, marking our territory with the big dogs tournament challenge saw that I had UNC going to the championship and winning it. They lose by seventeen to Auburn. Auburn was uh, not really a basketball school, but your guy Bruce Pearl, who you were talking about last episode, who is super animated. Hell of a coach. Team was just, I mean, 97 points in a college basketball game is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, for any team to put up 97 is insane, but to do it up against a number one seed, that was yep. ridiculous. UNC 7 for 28 from three. That's 25%. That's not going to win you any game. It seems like all college basketball teams shoot under 30% from three this year, though. I feel like, well, who was it a few years ago? Villanova that pretty much just shot three-pointers all the way to... The title? Yeah. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, they were making it. Auburn, Auburn yesterday, 17 for 37, 46%. Okay, there it is. I mean, like, that's, it's crazy how that recipe is trickling down from the NBA now. It, what I'm, what I'm a little concerned about before we get into NBA is, uh, the way that, like, the ballers play, like, there's, there's no, uh, it's a lot of that fast break. It's all like the R.J. Barrett style where you're good as hell, but you really don't have a sh- – you either have, like, just a three or just a layup. Like, you don't have, like, that complete game. Like, it's not it's not real team basketball anymore. Well, that, that's where usually things like – well, I guess Coach K. Is Coach K more known for, like, teaching team basketball or is he more known for just, like, teaching conditioning and stuff like that? Well, back in the day he was definitely a team guy, but now that he's had to get, like – from like the Jaleel Okafors, the Zions, like now you just coach like Calipari or like just do whatever you're good at and we'll make it happen. And so I'll coach some defense. Would you say that like at the NBA levels when some of these guys start to learn how to play within a system? Because when you're growing up and you're like, when you're playing on a team like Duke or Kentucky or UNC, you're obviously within like the top 20, 25 best players in America the entire time that you're playing basketball, whether it be high school or travel ball, whatever. So do these guys never learn how to play like team basketball where they're just constantly working on their own shit? Yes. That's, I mean, that's all that they play now is just hero ball. So it'll, I, I think that's kind of interesting because on the NBA side of things, you look at someone like Trey young, who he was kind of like he's kind of in that mold of what you're talking about where in college he was, you know, a flashy player shooting threes from everywhere on the court, had a pretty rough start to his NBA career, but now towards the end of it there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about how he could be running away with the rookie of the year over Luka Doncic because he's finally starting to play at like a team friendly game. And and what I like about Doncic, we could we could transition a little into the NBA now is that he because he grew up in Europe, is definitely more of a team-oriented ball. True. So he has a real complete game where he has post moves. He's got threes. He's got handles. He's got passes. Which a uh, uh, a lot of a lot. I mean, a lot of people in America have that too, but they just don't have that team-oriented playing style. Where well, they, Don Cheech yeah. also got to play with grown-ass men, professionals at yeah. six, sixteen, but. You know, so that that, but that that is interesting. How there's like that little bit of a different dynamic. How Doncic comes in and he's 20 years old or whatever he is, and he's already a complete player. And you saw that from day one. Whereas other players like Trey Young and yeah, like DeAndre Ayton, they, right? They're still developing in their first year, even if they're studying out. They're they're not a complete product. So exactly, yeah. You had, I mean, like Devin Booker when he came in. He like was a bench player at Kentucky when he came in. He was still able to get buckets, but now he's he's uh, an actual NBA player. D'Angelo Russell, who's like really coming into his own. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's brought the Nets into a good position, and so the Eastern Conference still very much the last spot is up for grabs. Three yeah. teams within a game of each other. You got the Heat, the Magic, and the Hornets. Obviously, I know you're pulling for your boys in Miami and Dwayne Wade to get one last dance, but who do you think looks like they're the best chance to make that eight seed in the Eastern Conference? So even the seven seeds up for grabs, the Heat are only a half game back of the Nets who have lost a couple straight. Mm. So right now, if you're treading water at 500, you're in the playoffs. Nets are 38 and 38, and they have the seventh seed. Heat are 37 and 38, and they have the eighth seed. 
the Magic and Heat, um, I believe, play one more time, or the the what the bottom teams play. So there's like six games left, and it, it's really going to come down to the last day. I think. I I think that the Heat have been playing a little better team ball as of late, but it it's kind of a crapshoot. All these teams are about fifty percent chance to win. It's kind of embarrassing if the Magic make the playoffs, in my opinion. Oh, I'd be so embarrassed. I feel like the Heat have to do it for Dwayne Wade. Obviously, this is just a homer take, but he, they they are a better team than the Magic. They have Far more away. more experience, more stars. Just if you're going to lose to a team with freaking Air Gordon and Bucevic, like you don't even deserve to go have a chance to go against the Bucks. Well, th- that that was going to be my next thought, anyways. Is that it doesn't really matter who gets that eighth seed because. They got to go up against Giannis in the first round, and Milwaukee has been one of the best teams all year long. Um, a real complete team. They just have Giannis, one big man, and shooters. Yeah, but uh, Middleton, I know that he's been coming on strong the last couple of weeks. The only matchup in the Eastern Conference, I was looking at it, I think that is set, is that we're going to have a first-round matchup between the Pacers and the Celtics. And so last night, Pacers and Celtics squared off. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving hits a game winner with uh, 0.5 seconds left on the clock. Just just a classic Kyrie Euro step, broke a double team, and uh, scored. So they, they're about the same team. They have no uh, no real big scores, like big guy type scores, small forwards. They're, they do it with the, uh, the point guards and like their centers. So it's going to be a real competitive series with them. So uh, and then on the other side, on the Western Conference, that entire – one through eight seeding seems like it's up for grabs. I think from pretty much from like the third team down or fourth team down, they're all within like two games of each other. Yeah, only only uh, three and a half games separate or four and a half games separate the three seed from the eighth seed. So there, there's a lot of movement that could be there in in so, these final six so games. All these teams though are in the playoffs. Basically, the Western playoffs are set. There's there's an eight game difference between the eighth and ninth seed, which is the Thunder and Kings. Kings are 14 games back. Everyone else is about seven and a half to six and a half games back. That's in the mix, the five to eight range. So Nuggets, so Nuggets and Warriors are now tied with their uh, 51 and 24 record. Go Nugs. Nugs have like five or six games against current playoff teams, and the Warriors have one game left against the current playoff team. So you'll probably see the Warriors take the one seed uh, per use. Did you see that game winner by Durant last night? He had a uh, like a three pointer from way deep at the top of the key. It was just like it was a beautiful shot. I think he might have also gotten fouled on it. Well, they didn't even win last night. They lost. Or oh, I thought that I saw that was a game winner. So they were playing. They played the Timberwolves last night. It was a little bit of a contentious play. It went to overtime. That might have been to send them to OT. Curry at the end of OT hits a ridiculous corner three to tie it at like 130 apiece. And then there's a timeout. And on the inbounds pass for the Timberwolves, they try and go like a lob towards the rim to Carl Anthony Towns, and they call a foul on Durant for like holding him and not letting him get the ball. I'm I'm rewatching the play now, and you just see KD strutting around the court, saying, "This is my court. This is my court." And now there's Steve Kerr yelling at the referees because it looks oh. like they're going to call some sort of foul. They called it a foul and and not a shot. They called it like a foul on the floor. Oh, okay. I think so that's what happens. That's what happens when you don't watch highlights through their entirety. I gave false information. 
So that's, I mean, that's pretty much the NBA. The last couple games of the season right here. This will be the last uh, last week of the regular season, I believe. And then we'll get into playoffs. Once those matches are set, we're going to hope to see the Heat in there. We're going to hope to see uh, some good matchups in the West. They're going to be pretty exciting because every team's about the same besides the Rockets, Nuggets, and Warriors, I think. I, I just thought about this, too, because... So hockey and the NBA, their seasons end right around the same time. We're probably going to need to do an NHL power play segment next episode, just like heading into the playoffs, freshen the audience up on some some of the hot topics going into the NHL. But I literally can't wait for that. I That's my favorite segment we do on the whole podcast. I feel like a horrible fan because – so for people that don't watch, which I'm sure is all 36 of you that listen – the Rangers are tanking in the worst of ways. So it's like I watch like the first 15 minutes of every game and I just wait until we go down to nothing. And I'm like, all right, this is this is fine. This is good. Like we're losing and this is what we need to do. This is fine. So you're that meme. You're that dog on fire meme. No, but I'm actually OK with it. Like it, it would be different if I wasn't OK with it. So you're like the, uh, the Kermit sipping tea meme. You're like, I don't care if we go fucking 10 and 60. Well, I mean, the the NHL and the NBA, they both have the lottery. So there's a, like the higher that we get, the better chance the Rangers have of securing that first pick. And what is the what is the lottery for uh, hockey? Like what is like what are the chances the lowest team like in the NBA? The lowest three teams have the same chance at the number one pick. I think it might be the bottom half of the league where it's like the bottom 16 all get a different percentage but i don't know what it is exactly i just know that last year was the most awkward thing on earth where you had like 16 or 15 whatever it is gms sitting in a room just like holding a little sign with their logo on it and that had to have been like the most depressing thing because they're all sitting there knowing like wow our team's really sucked ass and that's why we get to sit here and hope that we get the first pick well it's always you're always thinking about next year when you're that GM. You're like, this is the year we turn it around. This is what all they should be thinking. Yeah. So, all right. So, finally, what I wanted to talk about the most: opening day now, opening day weekend. Baseball is officially back. No more stupid 5:30 a.m. Japan series. I had a full slate of games on Thursday. I ate no less than like 35 mini weenies, and I just like fucking. I consumed so much baseball on Thursday. It was it was the best day of my life. Math prediction radio. How many pitches do you think you saw to kick off the season? Upwards of like, I don't know, 500. 500. I, this man watched multiple full games. I, I watched the 1 o'clock game was the Yankees and the Orioles. I watched some of the Braves and Phillies game. I watched some of the Nationals-Mets game. Um... I mean, all day. It was just, it, I didn't turn off my TV. It was it was baseball all day. So, all right, first game of the season, Yankees win 7-2 over the Orioles, who are probably going to be the worst team in the MLB. But it was so fucking exciting because the middle of the lineup, you have Judge, Stan, and then the newcomer from last year, Luke Voigt. They went a combined four for seven with five runs, one home run, four RBIs, and six walks. I mean, if it, that's got to be the scariest thing for opposing pitchers to know that they have to face those guys that are just seeing the ball right now. Even Stanton, the one time that he he hit the ball on the ground, he hit a 121-mile-an-hour ground ball. 
Like that's Yan- fucking Yankees smoke. got the pop, and it seems like they got a little swag coming out the gate. They're gonna and and a little bit as opposed to the uh, Red Sox coming out the gate. They came out the gate a little slow on the first game. Their stud Chris Sale got absolutely shelled by by mainly Tim Beckham, who had yep. two home runs off Chris Sale on opening day. Mariners with a big win. It's so that'll be an interesting storyline to watch the first couple of weeks of the season because Chris Sale, he had the single largest drop off in velocity of any pitcher from opening day last year to opening day this year. I think last year his average fastball velocity was like 94.6 miles an hour, and this year he averaged like just over 91. So that's especially for a guy that signed a big extension. He's another one, six years and a hundred and you know, 60 million or something like that. If you're losing three miles an hour in year one of an extension, it's definitely got to be concerning. They lost 12 to four in that game. Last night they came back and they won seven to six after being down six to one. Um, The other, there was a few other games that I just wanted to touch on. The opening day matchup of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer was literally historic. Max Scherzer had 12 strikeouts, most in opening day history, and combined Scherzer and DeGrom had 22 strikeouts, was combined for the most from starters in opening day history. And you brought up to me, Trey Turner had three stolen bases, and you said that he has a charity that he's donating to for every stolen base. Do you know what it is? Because I tried looking it up and I couldn't find it. I th- I could look it up because I saw it on his uh, his Twitter. He tweeted out. A link. I think it was. It might be St. Jude's. Well, for for any of you that don't know Zach and I personally, Zach actually went to high school with Trey Turner. So maybe if we find a link for his like his charity or something, we'll drop that in the bio for next week's episode. Because I think that that's awesome, especially for a guy that you know has the potential to steal 50, 60 stolen bases. Here you go. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Also, uh, shout out Mark Turner, his dad. I saw him at the gas station yesterday. I had a nice little chit chat with him. Elite. Hashtag steal bases, stop cancer. And then there's a there's a link. We can put it out on the our uh, marking our territory with the big dogs Twitter. Yeah, we'll do that, and we'll put it in the podcast episode description either this week or next week. I think that's a, that's really cool. You know, that's- he's pledging five hundred dollars. To steal bases, stop cancer for every steal that he gets this season. And he could get upwards of 50 steals, so. That's definitely a, a really cool thing for him to be doing. So the other big opening day note that I wanted to make was the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Dodgers won 12-5. to They had eight home runs as a team, the Dodgers, which was the most in opening day history. Two from Kike Hernandez, two from Jacques Peterson, and then one for... Corey Seager, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, and Austin Barnes. That was baseball porn. Baseball porn. I was going to say baseball porn is also that was also that uh, Nationals Mets game for pitchers. Yeah, it, that that's like pitching ninja for those of you that don't follow pitching ninja on Twitter. That's like the ultimate pitching porn because you just get to see <clears throat> he overlays. Like the fastball versus curveball versus slider, and you just see how hard it is to hit a fucking baseball. It it basically swayed me into drafting Max Scherzer in the first round of fantasy baseball this year. How how annoying is it to get a loss from Max Scherzer when he goes like seven innings, twelve strikeouts, one earned, and the one earned was Robinson Cano hit a home run in his first at bat as a New York Met. It's crap. It's a, it's a long season. That's a great that's a great quality start. Uh, 
sometimes you take the L if your team can't put any runs on the board. I'm already, dude, I, I am, like, addicted to the fantasy baseball, and I I last night watched Jack Flaherty pitch against the Brewers, and then I watched Ross Stripling face off against Robbie Ray in the second game of that Dodgers-D-backs. I am way too, like, antsy already with my fantasy team two games into the season. Gotta let it, you just gotta let it get into the flow. My best player, you got to just wait for your guys. Like a month in baseball is like kind of like nothing. Yep. Well, that's another thing we're seeing. We're already seeing people dropping like stud guys that they dropped within the first top 75 picks. So waiver wire is going crazy for all of you that care about our fantasy uh, baseball. Okay. League. But you know what people care about? Yes, I do. The motherfucking top three, bottom three. And this one's going to be very topical, something really relatable and kind of hard to rank. We're going to do the top three, bottom three of Stadium Eats. And I got to say, it was hard to really find anything in the bottom because if you're at a stadium, you're probably having a good time. Yes, I I, I got a couple. I mean, my Stadium Eat preferences will show in this ranking, I guess. So, all right, well, why don't don't we do the bottom first so we just get that out of the way because they're going to probably be relatively boring. Okay, I'll go with my first bottom. My first bottom is any food item that's more than $20. <laughs> so it's funny. I was asking Michalina for some advice on what to put in my bottom. She's like, how about anything that isn't a hot dog? She's like, if, it, if it's extra, if, it, if it's like super fucking fancy, I don't want to eat that. I like shout out to Michalina on that. That's 100% an accurate take. You're not going to the like to the stadium to try the fucking – crazy sandwich with ribs you're getting a like a wooden plank uh like plated meal you're like bro i just want a tinfoil dog and some fucking peanuts i saw some so i looked up some of those fancy ass ones uh there's one there's a bacon on a stick that's pretty you know pretty simple but still a little bit extra the one that i really wanted to try was from the houston astros they have Chicken and waffles, except it's a waffle cone with mashed potatoes and chicken in it. Like, that's, that sounds amazing. <laughs> doesn't and, that but sound see, so That's good. probably not too expensive, and that's handheld. That's a great stadium eat. Yeah, I, I wish that you could do, like, the Darren Rovell, like, top foods at every stadium. If, if I could try everything that he tries, I'd be a very happy man. So, all right, my, my, number, my number three bottom is cotton candy like you have to you have to be like four years old or like a sugar junkie to want to eat a cotton candy so i'll say i haven't eaten a cotton candy at at a stadium in probably 10 years but when i was a little kid that was my favorite thing to get at the stadium which is understandable because you were a little kid but i mean like i don't know if you're not a grown man buying a motherfucking cotton candy or even a grown woman bro like that that's just like what are you trying to do to your teeth do you think about teeth rot that shit is, that is is literally just sugar. So, uh, cotton candy. That's my bot. My first bottom. Number two. Number two for me is a little bit of a tough one. I have a good number one, so I'm kind of. I'm gonna say like restaurants in a stadium. That's another one. The Yankees have a steakhouse in like, center field. You're gonna. Do you have to like pay for a ticket and? go to that steakhouse like I, I just don't know how those things work i don't know why you would want to go to a like a, a place with twenty five thousand people to go get like a meal right you're not even enjoying the game then you're just paying extra for a, a maybe not even fancy sit down meal 
Yes, exactly. So restaurants in the stadium, show up to the stadium to watch the team. All right. My, my second one, this one is a little bit broad and could be slightly contentious. Chicken tenders. I feel like when you go to a ba- particularly a baseball game, you can never get chicken tenders that are actually decent. They're either so, like go ahead. Uh, I'm just gonna stop on like jump on top of that because that's my number one. Old Marlin Stadium had the worst chicken tenders, and that's all they had. It's well, it's either like they're super crunchy, where it's like there's no chicken in them, or if they do have chicken in them, they're rubbery as all hell. Absolutely, just I 100. Uh, percent support that take yeah chicken tenders it's just it doesn't feel like a a baseball food so and then go ahead i'll just do my number one as well any beer that's over 13 dollars because i mean i i was at when i was at yankee stadium last year the people next to us they they had i think like four or five beers a piece and i actually stopped and asked them how much it was it was 16 dollars for a beer so if you're buying four or five of them like what are you doing you're spending a hundred bucks on beer while you're at the baseball game yep i mean that's and that i mean yankee stadium it's definitely taxed i think i think it's about that at like the dolphins games too you get like a, a 25 ounce beer which is basically the size of two beers it's still pretty damn expensive for about 13 dollars because i've definitely Definitely had that. At, I think I paid $14 for a beer at a Panthers game, but it was a big-ass can of Heineken. So, the, you know, I think pretty much what you can say is just the price of any stadium food is, yeah, is the, in the, the bottom. Yeah, the pricey stuff is in the bottom for sure. So, all right. Well, let's, let's get into the top because I think that these are a little bit more entertaining for me at least. So, okay. So, I'll go with my number three. Anything wrapped in tinfoil? <laughs> Yep. My my number three is also something that starts with anything. Go ahead. Mine is anything that comes in a helmet. That my mine's a little, my helmet is a little higher. So like <laughs> you, you got like elm, helmet ice cream, helmet dippin' dots, helmet nachos, like all of those. They're all fucking fire. Yep. Helmet if you're happy to eat anything out of a motherfucking helmet. <laughs> Yeah, that that I remember that that was like, and they're always more expensive. But that's like where you're willing to like pay that extra like dollar or two because you're like, well, I just feel like I'm part of the team now. I like I literally can't wait for the time when I have have a kid and I've got a little bit of dough and I can go get my kid a little Dippin' Dots in a Marlins hat. What's your favorite Dippin' Dots flavor? Uh, when I was younger, I just get like I think it's maybe the Superman, where it's like every the rainbow, little different color. Yeah. Uh, and I think I had like a banana split one that was incredibly fire. That one's good. The mint chocolate chip, that's good. The cookies and cream where it's just a little bit of Oreo inside of your Dippin' Dots, that's a good one. The ice cream of the future that's been here for the last 50 years. <laughs> All right, go ahead and give you give me your number two. I, I, I'm going to have to do a, an audible on my number two because I had helmets. I had Dippin' Dots in mine too, but I just pretty much doubled down on that with the helmet. So my number – I guess my number two is just going to be nachos. I love a nacho at any sort of stadium. It doesn't have to be a baseball game. Only time that chips being stale is acceptable. There's just something about a game where you just want that salt. You're drinking beer. You're, drink, you're eating peanuts. Uh, honorable mention, bag of peanuts – but you know what's nice is that now most stadiums let you bring in your own bag of peanuts or your own sun- sunflower seeds. Oh, yes, dude. Seeds. Honorable mention seeds for sure. Except for when you're like sitting around like like 
old people and they start getting mad that you're spitting your seeds out on the ground around them. They're like, you're not cleaning it up. You're not a true baseball or football guy if you can't appreciate a seed at a stadium. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, This is hard because now I've got a few that I want to choose between. Can, Can we just agree that like making a hot dog like a foot long with some mustard and relish is just like the honorable mention of honorable mentions because I don't want to have to put that in my top. Yes, yes. Just a, a stadium dog done. You go, you get the dog, you go to a little concession, little counter. The pump with the <clears throat> mustard on it. I don't do ketchup anymore. Ketchup is for children. I still do ketchup on the dog. No, I Pe- do. People, people are haters, but I, I will do a ketchup list dog and still enjoy it as well. I go mustard relish, but all right. So since we got that out of the way and I don't have to put that in my top, my number two, this is one that I don't know if you're going to find it at a big league stadium, but at my little league field, they used to do this, a taco in a bag. It's just I, like a bag of Fritos I've with never a scoop of taco that. meat and taco cheese, maybe some oh, sour like a cream. Little prison, a little prison taco? Dude, taco in a bag at, at, a, at a little league game, that's what's up. So I'll go, I'll go nostalgic on my, my top stadium eat. Probably the thing I've ate, ate the most of at any sort of stadiums in my entire life is an Italian ice mm, the, yeah, the, at, at a pro park, like the frozen lemonade. I was just about to say, or frozen lemonade. Uh, like back in the day at our little league, they had like slushies where they were just, it was like a, a real liquidy ice thing where they would like pour the flavor, like a snow cone flavor in there. Yeah, I, I, you I like nicely. that. Especially uh, like the Rays. Like, so I grew up in Tampa and the Rays are an indoor stadium. So you don't have that same feel where you need like that cool. But when you're at an outdoor stadium, having that slushy is huge. Dude, that, yeah. Uh, pro player back in the day, you'd be killing. Like you, you may even get two frozen lemonades at a Marlins game <laughs> and some peanuts and like some chicken tenders and you have – a freaking afternoon <laughs> and some chicken tenders that you hated the entire <laughs> hated, time that's the only thing you could eat so <clears throat> all right my number one this is definitely like a homer pick at yankee stadium they have garlic parmesan fries and it's like legit garlic not just like a garlic flavoring it has like minced garlic on it and it would oh dude that's just like that shit's if, you, to die if for. you've ever been to a yankee game the food at Yankee Stadium is better than the food at any other stadium. I'm, I've been I've been to a Dodgers game. I've been to a Yankee game. I've never been, been to. I mean, I've never been to. I've California. been to both Yankee stadiums. I went to old Yankee Stadium the year before it closed, Same and then with I me. went to new Yankee Stadium either like the year it opened or the year after, and it it's very very crazy like seeing the difference of how they definitely catered to the fan experience in the new stadium for sure and i mean when you go from marlins park marlins park is really nice when you go from pro player to yankee stadium you're like wow this is what like a real club looks like shout out we got a lot of good arenas in south florida the uh bank bb and t or whatever the florida panthers play in really nice arena the heat the american airlines right on the water really nice arena and marlins park brand new doesn't get filled up. I don't know if you saw the picture of the second game attendance. What was it? Probably like 7,000 people, if that. There was probably 2,000 people in the stadium, but like the people that bought season tickets was probably at six or seven. Have you seen the interview recently with Derek Jeter where he got, he got quoted, misquoted <clears throat> out of context about how 
they're trying to say he doesn't care about winning, but really what he was trying to say is that, like, in year one of the rebuild, a big priority of his was talking to the fans and seeing what they value when they go to the, the park. Yeah, he said that there will be some fans, because he wants to make the fan experience so good that there will be some fans that didn't even know who won or lost when they leave. Well, I, I went to SunTrust, which is where the Braves play, and, like, dude, that is literally just like a kiddie playland. Like, you go there, and it, it really isn't even about the baseball game most of the time. It's about, like, all of the attractions and all of, like, the fan experience. And that's definitely, like, the way that some of these baseball teams are going. Big Al back there having, like, a, a, a coughing slash barking fit. Trying to come inside. <clears throat> so, uh, did you do your number one? Yeah, it was Italian Ices. Okay. All right. So, there you go. Top three, bottom three. That was – that always devolves into the best conversation of the entire podcast. Any Sorry. other uh, – do you have any other honorable mentions? I think I, I hit on all of mine. Peanuts, the, seeds, dogs. In my bottom, I put hot dogs or sausages with too many condiments or like with peppers and onions and stuff. It just gets to be too messy. Uh, it, just expensive shit. I don't – like I'm going to the stadium I'm at this point. I'm not going there to go drop money. I'm going there to watch a game. All right. So, yeah. So, we'll go ahead and we'll – finish off this episode with everybody's favorite marking our territory trivia i think that we are officially going to end these two categories after this episode right yes so well we'll stay on the topic of baseball and let's do you want to do yours first or should i answer mine first hit me all right this one should be pretty easy if you were paying attention i know you might not have been home because you're a good working man but for your baseball trivia what current MLB starter leads the major leagues with six consecutive opening day starts? This is a pitcher. I got like two names, I feel like. I, I feel like it's not going to be either of the names that you're thinking. Research time. He's like, he's like who, who started on opening day? Who started I was looking at So this is opening day. Six consecutive opening day starts. I mean, is it is it someone in the – my pick is one in the American and one in the National. I'm just going to say Scherzer. Nope. Verlander. It's in that division. In that division. Is it Teheran? Teheran. I want to like I want to like give you that. We should just cut out you saying Scherzer because the fact that you got it on your second try. Is no, like, well, you, that was too easy. Yeah, I'm like, it's not someone on the Marlins. Julio Tehran. He's been the opening day starter for the Braves six years in a row. Good for him. He ain't got yeah. shelled, did he? No, I think he had a pretty good game. I think after him is when they got uh, shelled. All right, Tehran. <laughs> All right, so you want to your baseball? Yeah, let's let's get it. I, I don't think you're going to be as easy on me. Um, definitely not. Let's see. We're we're okay. So f- this I don't know why this. I guess this is when this quiz was made, but it's from 2010 to 2017. There's three players with a WAR above 50. I'm gonna say you have to give me the other two. When I tell you that one is Mike Trout. I was about to say one is Mike Trout. So fuck. Um, wait, between 2010 and 2017 or total? Highest war from 2010 to 2017. And it's above 50? Yes. Hmm. That's definitely tough. 
Got to think about someone that's been in the league that long. Is Are either of them pitchers? One is a pitcher. Let's go with, for the pitcher, I it's either Scherzer or Kershaw. Ding! <laughs> Which one? I can't, it's Kershaw? I'm sorry. Scherzer. Oh, like, it like <laughs> had had my choice and I couldn't fucking get it. All right. So Scherzer or Kershaw, I, I, I at least knew it was one of them. And then and there's then, one more that's above 50. Hmm. Trying to think of someone that's been around that long. Because like my, my next guest would want to be like Nolan Arenado because he's. He's way down there. But he's, he's in like the high 20s of war. He's got good defense and good bat. That's why I wanted to go there. Um, so think about someone with that, someone that plays in the infield. I like this. Mm-hmm. I, can, I have one more hint I can give you, but I feel like it'll give it away. Uh, my next guess, I was thinking, but he was on the decline already. My next guess was maybe like Albert Pujols. But he he's he was on the decline starting already in like 2010. Um, I don't know. I I, I I like I have I have too much time to think about this now, and now I'm just going to be okay. stuck. Can so you give you me no like guess. a division? I it, I won't get this right. Whatever. You played we're, we're in doing, both leagues. Oh no. We talked about him on the podcast today. Today? Yeah. What the hell? Now I got to like think back. There's no chance I'm going to remember this. Robinson Cano. You got it. Woohoo! Robinson Cano with the 50.5 war. Yeah, that that was like way too many hints for me to like actually feel good about getting that, but I was close. I I, I was on the right track. Where's Pujols on that war list? I don't even think he was on the list. Yeah, he's. I tried to type in his name in it. He's old. U J O L S. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Not even on the list. He 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 pretty much retired before then. Doesn't have a war of above twenty six from twenty ten to twenty seventeen. All right. Well, I I I was I was in the ballpark. Shoot him, pa. Okay. I I thought we were about done. We still got that other horrible question. Yeah. No, this one you're gonna get. Right. You and I, we this is something that goes back to our our golf days together. So, your fast food question. What was the original four items you could get for the Wendy's four for four? Because now you, you have like a list that you can choose from. So, what were the original four? So, you got the small, small drink. Mm-hmm. The nuggets. How many? The four count. Four count nugs. The small fry. Yep. And the... It, it, what is it? It's the... Uh, is it the... Ooh. Ooh. Ah, it's... I, I don't want to say the wrong name because there's like so many fucking names. It's, it's like the... Is it the JBC? Yes, sir. Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. Yes, sir. I, I didn't. I didn't want. I was thinking about calling it the Junior Cheeseburger Deluxe, but no, it's JBC, baby. Let's go. Four for yep. four is my fucking alley. But I remember, dude. Especially when they would like do like the month of ninety nine cent Frosties. We yeah. were stopping for those like three times a week. Yeah, that's <laughs> solid post round meal. 
All right, that was good. I, I figured that for the last one of your fast food, I should give you something that's like right right up your alley. Okay, so before Alex uh, t- like kills us over here, we'll keep along with the baseball theme on yours. For a, a Costco foot-long dog, what is the calories? <laughs> Dude, I'm so much worse at this than I ever thought I would be. Bun and dog. Bun and dog? Yep. Oh, like so, like the ones that they sell, like yeah, at the Costco at, store. at the Costco restaurant. Um, <laughs> I just gotta throw a number out there: three hundred and thirty calories. <laughs> so you have to bump that number up, Chief. Always, I I just like. You know what? It has three hundred and seventy calories without the that? bun. Without the bun? Yeah. Wow, that's a. I guess the foot do- foot long I didn't account for like a full size dog, but dude, I, I just five fifty two. Nothing about doing nutritional facts has made me feel good about how I eat. Give me the carbs in that, and maybe you'll get a half point to total one full point today. I mean, just a hot dog bun probably has like thirty in it, so. With the dog, I mean, like, does should a hot dog have any carbs? It's a meat. Uh, forty-seven carbs. Forty-seven. Ah, oh, you're right, bro. It's very close. Forty-six. Oh, okay. There we go. Some something a little bit closer. Something to kind of hang my hat on. That is what it is. This this trivia, we we need to pick something a little bit more specific next time. Something that like we're gonna have to do some major brainstorming on what we're actually like knowledgeable about. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll come back with some good ones to uh, maybe get some right answers here. If you guys have any ideas, you can tweet at us. You can DM us. You can do any of those things that have interaction. How about this? You can even rate and in your review. In your five-star review, tell us what trivia questions or what trivia categories you'd want us to do. We'd appreciate that. Yep. So we're, we're plateaued. I've said this a few times. We've plateaued at about 35 listens, and that's because I've stopped pimping it to my mom's friend, Kevin. So we're going to attempt to maybe get a little bit of that Reddit bump, but I don't have any Reddit karma, whatever that is. So... If anyone has a Reddit account and they want to just like post it on the r slash podcast for us, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit of that love from the Reddit community. But otherwise, we still love doing it for all 35 of you that listen. And I hope that you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. So share it out, man. Give us that bump. Help us get that bump. All right. That that wraps up this week. We uh, will see you guys probably next Thursday. Adios. Peace.